everybody. Welcome to episode 147 of Rain Delay Radio. This is our World Series preview episode. Uh, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, I've got an interview first with Hack talking about the Diamondbacks, their road here to the World Series, and uh, what we got coming up. Uh, and then Dylan talks to Frack on the Rangers side. We just couldn't get schedules together to get both together. But uh, yeah, uh, so let's just get right into it. Here I am talking with Hack. <laughs> Folks, welcome back. Uh, I am here now with Hack to talk about the Diamondbacks. Hack, I got you here with me. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing splendid. It is a beautiful Thursday. It rained all day, (laughs) but (laughs) that's fine. Uh, You know, that's that's how life goes sometimes. Look, heck, I don't think anybody thought you were going to be here this long. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like I texted you, you guys just can't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> and whatever that, you know, whatever that says about my predictions and, and kind of the expectations for the Diamondbacks, uh, you can say that and that's great. But um, here we are. You can't kill us. Can't kill us off. Uh, well, let's, let's, I mean, on on our last episode, it was, I think, before game six and, uh, Pat and I were like, yeah, the Phillies are going to take game six here in Philadelphia. Like, you know, no, no real question here. Uh, and like, you know, obviously Pat, uh, was going to say that, uh, because Pat is a Phillies fan, but I fully agreed. (laughs) <laughs> I like uh I like was like yeah I, that that is the thing that makes the most sense they're in Philly this is going to happen uh and you know the the D-backs quite shockingly uh took game 6 and 7 in Philly I mean you know I think even the most optimistic like it's tough to assume they were going to do that you know the, right and it's one of those things of you know like like Chris Russo uh, staked his job on it and then came back. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it was one of those, like, you know, not obviously not take anything away from the diamondbacks here, but the Phillies bats went cold, <laughs> like at the worst possible moment, you know, like yeah. they gave up four runs, which is like, you know, the diamondbacks scored four runs, which is not like, not a bad number of runs for the four is a pretty decent score but the the phillies bats just like didn't have it um and that's you know and the diamondbacks capitalized and that's that's what's important you know is is to to capitalize on things like that yeah and i mean the i think after game five i mean obviously you know game four alec thomas hits the home run everybody's nuts and you know that happens and you think okay they they, if they can just get this game, you know, if they can just get game five, they can go back to Philly and they get two chances at it. And then, you know, game five happens, they lose. And I, I'll admit, I, I, I'm sure that there is a Diamondback fan out there somewhere that would say, no, no, I knew it the whole time. But I'm pretty sure like 99.99% of the Phoenix metro area had the same thought of, okay, well, we got every home game that we were promised um, or I guess, you know, could have at this point. And if they go to Philly and they lose, 
we were playing with house money anyways. Yeah. Um, and then you get, uh, and this will this will probably make you roll your eyes. Go on, you get Sun Devil Legend Merrill Kelly go out, and he gives you what he gives you, and you know they they take an early lead, and everybody kind of makes it stick. And, and all know, of a sudden, it's game seven off of future Cardinal Aaron Nola, right? Like off off of like he's been so great, you know, like and and I had a down year this year, but like had been solid in the postseason so far. Like you you know kind of expect and and had been pretty shut down in the first game uh, that he pitched the series, which was uh, game two. Had you know shut out the Diamondbacks uh, through uh, was it six innings that he pitched. Um, uh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, six innings. Yeah, six innings had 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 shut the Diamondbacks down completely. You know, so it's just like it it felt like all right. This is this is what the Phillies need. They have their you know maybe their best pitcher. You know, maybe that's maybe that's Wheeler. Maybe it's Nola. It's, it's great to have two guys like that. Um, but are you know argue arguably their best pitcher going out there uh, in Philadelphia in front of a home crowd in front of a crowd that is you know n- notoriously hostile to visiting teams <laughs> like yeah. and, and and the i think for the diamondbacks the story on that is i think kelly like kelly kind of grew up going to philly's games and you know he he had been there before and that, there was that whole storyline from when he was a kid and maybe the first time around in philly he was a little you know shell-shocked but uh that is the, the the game six merrill kelly is the merrill kelly that diamondbacks fans have been watching all season that is who he is he's kind of a bulldog and you you saw when tori lavello tried to take you know tried to take him out he's not this loud spoken you know guy he's not really you know you know pumping his chest on the mound and all that but when you when he's on a roll he's on a roll and you should stay out of his way and like that's i mean Going into game six, I think everybody in Arizona and probably all the IMAX fans anywhere else were saying, unless we get that kind of Merrill Kelly, this thing's over. I think everybody was kind of on the same page, and here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Pat did predict uh, uh, Marte to be um, NLCS MVP. Mm -hmm. I... My uh, my thought was if the Philly or if the Diamondbacks were going to win, it meant that they were taking two games in Philadelphia. And if they were going to do that, then they would have to have a shutdown performance from their pitches, uh, which they kind of did. Uh, for me, I, I had I had maybe maybe long shot called Brandon Fott, who did I have a too. good start, like a perfectly solid start. It wasn't like. You know, he, he, I think I, I kind of thought like if the, which this is not what happened, but my, but my thought process was if the Diamondbacks were to win, it meant that Brandon Fott shut out the Phillies through like five or six innings. And he right. two runs, four innings, like perfectly fine performance, kind of what you have <laughs> seen from Brandon Fott in this postseason. He's a young pitcher who's, you know, promised to be good in the future. Um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, that's not exactly what happened. So it makes sense that they didn't give it to Fott there and, uh, and gave, gave, did give it to Marte. Uh, but like, you know, Marte, like it's, it's so odd the way the Diamondbacks won this series. Cause like their bats were fine, you know, f- like yeah. fine to good. Like, you know, nobody had no PS over a thousand, <laughs> right? Like where, where mm-hmm. the, uh, the Phillies just like, felt 
on paper, like, you know, they had like Kyle Schwarber, like going off like crazy throughout most of that series. Right. And like Bryce Harper yeah. and like, stuff like that, where it's like, it just, those like, and, and a big part of that was that 10 0 blowout in game two. And, and, you know, even to some extent, like the, the high scoring, like five, three game one, six, five game four, six, one game five. Um, but you know, <laughs> like, yeah, and like the way that the Diamondbacks play, that's, I think everybody kind of got, I don't know if maybe this is a national thing or not, but I think maybe the four home run game against the Dodgers kind of fooled everybody into thinking that this is a power swinging team. And obviously there were some home runs hit uh, game six and seven, but it's like, that's not the Diamondbacks game. The the Diamondbacks game is very much a small ball. Like the, the whole hashtag is like create chaos and all that. Like that is what they do. They, it's get get these guys who can run the bases on the base and and let them run and get them in a position to where you know a single is as good as a home run yeah. and you know that is you know I, I kind of said it to somebody today who had asked me about the World Series and they said like what is going on with this you know like how they even pull this off at Philadelphia and I was like they they kind of did what exactly what they had to do is let Philly be the emotional ones. And, you know, that was Philly, that was the Philly's whole like shtick kind of coming in and shtick makes it sound cheap, but it, and it's not, but it, it was, they're going to hit these home runs that feel like knockout blows. And especially with a team like the Dimebacks who for all intents and purposes, manufacture most of their runs. Um, when you do that and you kind of, push a boulder up a hill to score one run and it can get erased by Kyle Schwarber in an instant, it feels like the boulder just rolls back down the hill and you got to start pushing it back up. And, but when those home runs aren't coming for whatever reason, like kind of like you said, the bats went quiet and when those home runs don't come, it kind of makes them seem almost incompetent at that point. Not that they are, but right. it's like, it, it makes it seem like what is going on with this team that, normally it's, it's, delivers those haymakers very feast or famine you know very and 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 you know the phillies are, are the kind of team that are streaky and you kind of like you know they 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 are built to be to, to hopefully have that streak at the right time and uh yeah just like it didn't you know three runs across the last two games is just not <laughs> not it doesn't uh, get it done so. that's 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 what it is you know you can't win if you don't score runs and and the run prevention was not as good as it has been in the past as well but like you know five runs four runs you know like those are of the the four of the three games the phillies won uh and one of the games that they lost they scored five or more runs in right uh and so like they just they just didn't have it in those in the in the at the at the wrong moment so let's look ahead here um well actually let's let's look even further behind here you talked a little bit about what the diamondbacks have been doing all season and let's take a look a little bit at the diamondbacks season right and like and sort of the road to get here we didn't talk about that much in in previous appearances but you know it's kind of a as nl champions a bit of a victory lap you know and the diamondbacks are yeah. an 84 and 78 team which i think second lowest in front of our own very very uh all right i mean i guess not our very own uh very special cardinals at this point but yeah the the, uh, the 06 83 and 78 cardinals i think or the and like that's the same number of losses one less win i think that's like of world series teams the 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 worst since 2006 right yeah i mean 2006 was the one so yeah, yeah. i mean it 
I mean, and looking back on it, it it's almost tells the story of like kind of what everyone's talked about this postseason about them is, you know, not so much like what Diamondbacks are going to get, like, but it was more so like this story of Moreno and how steady of a presence he's been. And like, if everyone looks at this season, regardless of what happens in the World Series and says anything, it is the the, Dar- the Dalton Varsho trade for Gurriel and Moreno that set up this entire thing. Like it, right? You look at that trade in retrospect, and you're like, "What on earth happened here?" Like it, the and Varsho was not like just this extra guy. He was kind of like he was the everyday catcher for a while in Arizona when he was here. And, yeah. Well, and then, then, you know, then they moved him the outfield, or and, somehow like he was, he was such a such a weird player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and like, so it was like, all right, well, you make this trade for at that point, uh, like almost a fourth catcher in Moreno, and it turns into this guy that the entire team revolves around. And when when they went out on a hot start, and you know they had the you know the lead in the NLS for a while, and you know the Dodgers do what the Dodgers do, they slowly climb back up. The Diamondbacks falter when you know Moreno is injured, and the Dodgers hit a hot streak and they take off and it's, it's an aid, uh, a, a tale as old as at least a decade plus with the Dodgers as they kind of just run away with the thing. Um, and, you know, the Dimebacks had to then when Moreno was back, play good baseball again. And they played good baseball and they get in, you know, last week of the season, last weekend of the season. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden they're in this, you know, kind of dot they not even a dog fight. They get thrown into the, you know, with the brewers, nobody gives them a chance. They sweep the brewers. They get thrown back, you know, back to the Dodgers. And they say, that's what happens every year with Arizona, any Arizona team ever with the playoffs. It's okay. Go beat LA. Then we'll talk. And, you know, they sweep the Dodgers and it's like, well, you're not going to beat Philly. And well, they beat Philly. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 it it ha- I mean, it has been this like weird storybook season, but like so odd too, because, you know, uh, early in the season, they were, they were insanely strong in like a way that was surprising, you know, like you, you kind of didn't expect them to, to like have the success they were having there early on in the season. Um mm-hmm. I'm looking for the uh, I'm trying to find like a, a standings chart here, but, um, but you know, yeah. essentially like, like the, how far ahead of the Dodgers were they early? Like they were, they had like, they had just like an insane start and then like it fell mm-hmm. off. Like, okay. You kind of expect this. And it's, 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 you know, fascinating. Cause um, if, uh, if you look at like, you know, before the all-star break, after the all-star break uh, it's, it's that, that, all-star break strong start really like you know really carried them to have like a strong record then going into yeah 52 and 39 in the first half 32 and 39 in the second half um so 571 percentage in the first half a 451 percentage in the second half and it's just like you know two more losses there in April, right. Or May, right. May was the strongest month there. Uh, and, and suddenly the, the Cubs are in the playoffs. Right. And, and, yeah. and not the D backs. Um, and you know, like a, a week, July, a week, August, but kind of a bounce back September. And then that obviously brings the momentum into, to, you know, come into the playoffs and, and have, you know, this, 
strange, strange postseason run. Like, and like, you know, like again, not taking away from the Diamondbacks, but like I'd say the same thing about like the 2011 Cardinals, right? Like, who, who were like yeah. a, like another team that like you know seemed like they were blowing it, and like and similarly, right for the Diamondbacks, there were you know teams like the the Cubs uh, who very well seemed like they were going to get a playoff spot, and then kind of choked it <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh, and there's been that uh that video of the suzuki fly ball and that has been played over and over it's like well if he catches this what other you know what does the rest of this postseason look like and you know even at the trade deadline for the diamondbacks like they make the trades and you would think that would be the moment where all right everybody's galvanized they actually struggled after they made the trades and it kind of took until that you know end of september for everything to start gelling. And I said it kind of in the, at the end of the uh, Brewer series when we were going into the Dodgers series, I was like, all of a sudden people are finding roles. Like there, there's kind of this, not so much, it's hard to say repeatable formula with the bullpen, but it's the, you know, the kind of the same guys going out there in the same spots every night, Seawald's working now. And like, all of a sudden you're in this spot and if you can just manufacture the runs the same way you have been, you you like your chances. And, you know, there's been all the talk about, you know, Tori Lovello and they've all kept receipts and there's been all that stuff, you know, kind of the last couple of days now that they've beaten the Phillies where they're going back and kind of, uh, I guess, sticking it to people. But the it, it is interesting to kind of see like this team come together and it truly be kind of like you said, just at the right time, very randomly, like, and it's not it, it you wish you could say like oh yeah they're hot the whole like last half you know you know last half month of september and they kind of weren't they kind of limped into the playoffs and then all of a sudden they get stuck in you know in milwaukee and something clicks yeah yeah it's like you know I, i'm looking right now at the uh, fan graphs playoff odds chart uh from this year and like in september like in pretty much all of september it's kind of this like five horse race for these two spots. Like the Phillies were pretty locked in. And then it's like the Cubs, Diamondbacks, uh, Giants, who we kind of forget were very close yeah. uh, for a little while. The Marlins, uh, the Reds, uh, and even the Padres threatening mm-hmm. a little bit. They they kind of were, were out of it, but they had like a, a minor threat there, especially sort of like in late August. But like on like and September like suspended. Yeah. I'm like, There's that one suspended like, game with the Marlins. <laughs> I'm like, September 14th was like the 97% chance Philly is cool. And then the other two spots were the Cubs with a 75% chance and the Giants with a 47% chance. Arizona was down at 30, uh, Cincinnati at 24, Miami at 19. Uh, and then just like all of that tide sort of shifts, uh, you know, within like a week and the Cubs plummet, the Marlins skyrocket and the, the Diamondbacks also climb up. And, and that's, you know, obviously how we got to the, the playoffs we got. But it's, mm-hmm. I mean, a crazy sort of <laughs> uh, like, you know, I mean, the Cubs especially. And, and you know, I'm I, I'll, I'll never not take a chance to uh, to <laughs> like uh, laugh at the Cubs demise. But, uh, you know, that, that's that's a team that looked like, you know, uh, two weeks from the end of the season had a 75% chance of playoffs uh, and like just goes away. Uh, and, and that opens up, like, you know, like I said, the, the opportunity for the diamondbacks there. Yeah. Um, let's look ahead. Now let's look ahead to the world series. 
and again, you know, another another series where I think, you know, this, the, uh, there were maybe a few more pundits expecting the Rangers might overtake the Astros, um, but but still, I think overall a bit of a surprise. Uh, but here we are, Diamondbacks versus Rangers. Um, I'll start with I'll start as I always do. Hack, how does the how does the pitching line up, uh, and how do how do the uh, the bats line up here? Let's start with the pitching. Uh, well, I, I mean, the pitching is going to be Gallon, Kelly, Ott, and we'll see. Uh, same, same strategies with the Phillies, and I think. I mean, it's it, it's. I don't know whether never it's it's continues to be astounding that the Diamondbacks don't have a fourth pitcher. <laughs> they don't have a fourth yeah, starter in the World there Series. Is talk, there is talk that maybe Tommy Henry can you know get added to a roster here. I don't you know or somehow end up being that fourth starter um i personally have it that feels like a a waka situation to me (laughs) that that does not feel good and i wouldn't that wouldn't be my game plan for it um but there is a rumor kind of flying around that that may happen joe man i I started game four of the nlcs like this is a team it's a world series team yeah and and like i think the thing is with that it's it sounds it sounds very cliche and like and it's not like you can even say it's cliche because they're they've been dominant it's if it ain't broke don't fix it like don't sure. just let them roll and the yeah. the thing is, is this kind of lines up to almost be at least from a strategic standpoint for the Dimebacks, kind of a similar series to what they just played like this is a rangers team that likes to bash and if you keep them in the ballpark that's a huge win. That's a huge positive in the Dynamax direction is if you make this team kind of play your game and it, I'm going to steal some from college football. It's drag them into the mud and dare them to come out cleaner than you. And like if the Diamondbacks pitchers can do that and keep this team in the ballpark, I think that's a big win for them. And then the rest, let it fall where it may. Um, and that kind of keeps it, fairly simple, fairly repeatable, um, is just get your, you know, 18 outs, get your, you know, get get through five and let this bullpen do what it's been doing. And that is a, from, from watching a lot of Diamondbacks baseball, it's never been that simple, um, to where that's the game plan, but I think that's gotta be it at this point. Um, yeah and and you know it's it's like it's again fascinating that you're saying that and that that's sort of the game plan here because this is a team that doesn't have the strongest of bullpens right like Paul Seawald uh, you know has has been strong coming over from from uh Seattle and Kevin Ginkle mm-hmm. uh who like who everybody knows who Kevin Ginkle is now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I, I made a point on Twitter that I told everyone I would say, I would say it out loud that he is a University of Arizona Wildcat, Kevin Ginkle, the man the myth. Um, he's been amazing. He, so yeah. by all means, that's off to the Wildcats for that one. Uh and it's just like it's just like these like these guys and these names of like guys who are like you know average to mediocre and like a couple of guys who are who are a little bit stronger than that and like you know the diamondbacks are not a team who you like who you would traditionally think hey we throw out a bullpen game in game 4 of the world series or game 4 of the NLCS even and, and it'll work out 
and <laughs> yeah and like that's one of the games they won <laughs> like it's just like it it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense and yet it's happening yeah and like Saul Frank was in Reno like two weeks before the end of the season like um, you know I think it was the Dodgers series that I'd called him one of the kind of the X factors is like in a month before that he was in triple a like, and here he is and pitching, you know, he's going to pitch in the world series. Like it's not an if it's a win with Saul Frank. Um, but, and he's like kind of a mainstay, like this name that no one's really known and has come out of nowhere. Um, you know, and in the Philly series was almost integral. Like he, you know, it was the, the announcers kept going back to it. the, yeah, Indiana versus Indiana alumni like Schwarber and Saul Frank because it's yeah. that left on left matchup that they kept going to, and so like. And it, it, by it, the way, it's fascinating that, that they've been able to uh, not give him innings, <laughs> like you know, with with with, <laughs> with with the rules as they are now. Like obviously. You, you know, especially if, if, by the way, if you're new to baseball, if you, if you don't know the three batter minimum rule, uh, is, is what, three, four years old now. Like before that, there was something you went out guy where like a guy would come in to pitch to a lefty and that's it. And you can't do that anymore. And yet somehow Tori Lavolo has managed to do that with, with Saul Frank here in the postseason. Well, he also had the, he had the one pitch inning too, but he somehow yeah. like got yes, to do that yes. and. He has three and a third innings pitched in the postseason across eight appearances. Like it's just like not a thing that happens anymore. <laughs> yeah. And like it like like we've kind of said, like it it's become almost like almost like how Ron Burgundy says, like, you know, you, you know, you stay classy, San Diego. Like I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Like it it's almost the same way. It's like the bullpen's an asset, like <laughs> yeah, kind of, like we think. Yeah, I mean, even this bullpen game, right? Like Kyle Nelson gave up a run, Miguel Castro gave up a run, Andrew Salfrank gave up two runs, one earned, like blew the save. Ryan Thompson gave up a run. It just like the like the bats picked up the bullpen in the bullpen game where everybody threw an inning except for Ryan Thompson who threw two. Like it's just like it's just. I, none of even it makes that, sense. Like, even like, that I think I've said this before on this podcast is like every time I look at the Diamondbacks roster and lineup and everything, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it in like any way. Like last year I looked and I was like, how is Dre Jameson like a guy who like has been successful, right? And like limited appearances, like who is, uh, you know, Seth Beer, like, <laughs> Seth um, Beer. like <laughs> none of these things make any sense. <laughs> and yet it all comes together to get come to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of who knows at this point, like, everyone's guess is as good as ours. And like, you want to say like, oh yeah, we knew it the whole time, but you know, this is as shocking in Arizona as it is to everyone else. Like, yeah, and like, I, I, I think if you ask, you know, like who I don't even know who Tommy Henry is. Like, I this sounds like a name I've heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you know how everyone always says that about the Cardinals is like, oh, they'll pull out a Jeremy Hazelbaker. Now you know how it feels. I feel that way when the Cardinals pull out a Jeremy Hazelbaker. I'm like, who is Jeremy <laughs> Hazelbaker? What is this dude? <laughs> and, um, like, they're, they're, I'm sure like 
you know, Slade, who, you know, he pitched an inning, like, in kind of the blowout, you know, game five. And, like, there was a moment before the Alec Thomas home run where, like, you could tell on the – and shameless plug was at game four. But, like, you kind of tell on the Jumbo Tron before the Alec Thomas home run, like, Tori Lavelle was going one way or the other. Either Slade was coming in and it was give up time or it was, okay, here comes Thompson. Here comes, you know, all these guys. So it was, like, either – Alec Thomas is going to hit a home run and we're going to the same bullpen we've seen the entire series or Alec Thomas is out and we've given up like, and we're saving arms. Like there was a fork in the road before that home run. And once that home run was hit different series and obviously big counter punch the next night and all that, but like it comes back to this thing of, I and I, I wanted to kind of maybe save this for the end, but I'm going to throw it out there. The managerial part of this World Series is 100% going to be a factor at some point. Like these are two managers that know each other so well, and like that type of thing where it's like, all right, here's this fork in the road, and there's going to have to be decisions, and it's probably going to be in that bullpen game, and you know. Is Bochi going to know what's coming? Is, you know, because Bochi's seen a lot of Toro Lovello and Toro Lovello's seen a lot of Bruce Bochi. And when that fork in the road comes, is who's going to, you know, kind of blink in that moment? Um, so, not to kind of throw out the entire, you know, pitching segment of this, but I, sure. I think the bullpen management is actually pretty huge. Yeah. And so far, despite everyone's like, Second guessing in the moment, Tor Lovello has done an amazing job. At yeah, that. Um, that's all you can really say about it. it, it it's always been questioned in the moment, especially pulling Fott and Merrill Kelly early. Everyone's been like, "What are you doing?" Um, but it's always worked. So I think at this point, we've got to trust him on that. So when you look at this Rangers roster, you know, as far as the pitching goes, like what, like, are, are do you feel? comfortable against those guys like you know like because you're right they do have the same sort of kind of feast or famine thing you look at Adolis Garcia his, his line looks very similar to um uh, uh Kyle Schwarber's right and like Corey Seager's looks not too dissimilar from Bryce Harper's like I, I I can see the comparisons there um and I guess it's just like who's hot at the right time right and it seems like the, the Rangers are hot at the right time but if they're not then they're not like I, you know yeah. it, it it feels to me and, and like <laughs> Again, I, I feel like every time I, I like I, I need a caveat. The Diamondbacks, it's not the Diamondbacks don't deserve to be here. The Diamondbacks have earned their way to here. It just feels like everything hinges on the other team not performing and the Diamondbacks capitalizing on them not performing. And if they do perform, you know, I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of sports. Like yeah. at the end of the nutshell, that is sports. And I mean, with the Rangers pitching, it's. When you look at it on paper, you, you sit there and you get, especially because when you look at the depth chart, they, they put like a fourth and fifth starter on there. And if you've watched the Diamondbacks, you know, that there's no fourth and fifth starter. Like it's just those three guys and then the bullpen. And so when you see like, okay, and especially the fourth and fifth names are not like Tommy Henry names. They're not these names that are just kind of like out of nowhere. That's it's John Gray. Like, right. it's like, it's very much like someone you've known and seen in the playoffs before. Um, but the, it's a three-headed monster. Right. Right? I mean, it's Montgomery, Uvalde, Scherzer, and I think actually, did Dane Dunning start or was that? 
no, no, Heaney. Andrew Heaney started uh, game four for them uh, in, in the uh, uh, championship series. So like, I, you know, and Heaney like is a guy who, yeah, like has had success is, is pretty solid. Like, yeah, you're right. Like it's not a Tommy Henry, right? It's not like, Hey, here's a guy and we're going to hope, <laughs> hope for the best. Here's the 25 year old here in the world world series. That's not what it is. Yeah. And like, obviously Scherzer, you know, I'll be the first one to be like, it's Scherzer. You never really can count him out. Scherzer is not himself. Like I think everyone can just say like, you're not going to get the Mad Max start. Like he may be effective that much or that well for, you know, for as long as he can go, but he clearly just doesn't have the length. Um, And that's, that's fine. He's still Max Scherzer. Right. Um, and like, and you know, you got- where like if, if they decide to change things up, because, you know, Scherzer wasn't even active until the championship series, like the mm-hmm. uh, the division series, they went without him. Like if they want to change things up and like use him out of the bullpen, that could be scary, too. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know yeah, what uh, is there, but like, that's <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, and but then like it doesn't get easier with Evaldi, and like we, you and I both know Montgomery very well right. from watching like two full seasons of him. And yeah. like when if those three guys are on, that's big. And one thing that I kind of had written down was like if you if you kind of get it, it was kind of stemmed from the Phillies' perspective of like okay, you had like Wheeler and Nola, and they were. For the most part, themselves, like except for maybe Nola at the you know in Game Seven, but like for the most part, they were kind of themselves. And you know, then you just you had to get passed into the bullpen. It's you know kind of a strategy that the Cardinals took against shoot Kershaw for a while. It's like you just get him out of the game. You got a chance. And I, one thing that I am kind of scared of in this series from the Diamondbacks' perspective is if one of those guys, obviously it probably won't be Scherzer, but if, if Evaldi or Montgomery decide one day the bullpen's not drawn that day, or even, hey, maybe one guy out of the pen needs to handle an inning, and they just kind of stranglehold the game, um, that changes the series, obviously, because it's obviously one win, you know, one win, one way or the other. But I think that that plays a big role because then it doesn't lead into, okay, more strain on the bullpen, more high leverage moments. If one of those two guys decides that's what they're going to go go do, and you know, Avaldi's done it before. Um, you know, he pitched that you know marathon game with the Dodgers or not the Dodgers with the Red Sox against the Dodgers. You know, Montgomery, we've seen do it in St. Louis. He's thrown you know complete games. Um, like they can do it, and that shortens this series if they decide to stranglehold one. And that's if you're rooting for the Diamondbacks, that's not what you want. You want to get that, those guys out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's that's you know sort of the, that's the key. And I, like, I guess I, I would ask. Like, we kind of saying a bunch of them, but sort of the keys to the series. What do the Diamondbacks have to do to win uh, the the World Series here, and and you know bring a bring a championship back to Phoenix? Uh, I, I it, to and the state of it, Arizona, like, not to <laughs> not to not to cut off Tucson. Um, I mean, they're still they're playing. They, you know, it's not like they're not they're not they're not the coyotes. They, you know. <laughs> um. So the, I I think the big thing is is kind of like I said earlier. This is the Diamondbacks need to make the Rangers play their game. Um. If it becomes uh, the the metaphor I used or I guess simile you I used earlier 
um, would be if it becomes like a Marvel movie where it's this back and forth punches, this big emotional battle of, you know, home runs, that's is not going to play in the Diamondbacks' favor. Um, but of course, we've been wrong about that before too. They hit four in an inning. Um, but I think if that's how this series starts to go, that's not a good sign. Um, but if the Diamondbacks can, like I said, drag them into the mud and dare them to come out cleaner than them and play the small ball, that is right up to Diamondbacks alley is they want to sit there and they, it's not going to be this methodical, slow game, but it is going to be, if you get an inch, you're going to take a mile. And, you know, if, if there's 90 feet to be had, they're going to take it. And the Diamondbacks like can and will manufacture some runs in this series. I don't think that they're just going to kind of disappear offensively. And if they do, it'll go even further into the small ball kind of world. And they're like, they'll find ways to kind of create some noise there. Um, so I think it comes down to, you know, can they keep the Rangers in the ballpark? And if so, great. Then they can play their small ball, manufacture runs, get them on, get them over, get them in. Um, and then if it goes the other way and the Rangers are crushing, that's going to be uh, a tough one because then all of a sudden you're asking yourself, do I pull Gallon, uh, you know, early here and then just put more strain on the bullpen? It kind of starts to handcuff you from a pitching perspective, um, which is not great. So um in terms of what they got to do it is keep the rangers in the ballpark even if they score runs that's great just no home you know no big you know big solo shots big you know three freaking number home runs um you don't want that um and then obviously play your game from there um not to steal the miracle on ice thing um but if anybody's seen the movie it's at the end when they're playing the russians it's just her brook screaming just play your game and like that's all it always says over and over is play your game. And I think if the Diamondbacks can do that, they can win. Um, but if it becomes the Rangers game, um, it's going to be tough to out home run this team. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, lastly, prediction. <laughs> Who's. Uh, <laughs> um, so I. I, do I get to brag in this moment, or should I wait? Uh, hey, it's up to you. You could you could do okay. what you want if you think you're going to jinx it. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to jinx it. Um, I have a safe I have a safe answer, which I think it's going to be Diamondbacks in seven. Um, and but I I have a bold answer, and um, I I will say um, probably Diamondbacks in six. Um, six dimex and six is the bold answer um mostly because it feels like i i really want to say five but i don't think that that's the right answer that's like very much like you're talking with your heart you're not seeing the pitching matchups here you're not seeing the other side of this um i i hesitate to say that this won't go the distance um just because it's like there's just so much of these two teams that are kind of like unknowns. Um, and, and like, obviously the Rangers are a little bit more known commodities than Diamondbacks. Um, but it's, it feels like one that should go the distance from the perspective of kind of like how everything's lined up and how, you know, the kind of the history of these two teams and they both coming off of, you know, two years ago, they lost a hundred games. You know, all that stuff kind of lines up with this dramatic series. And um, I don't think it's going to go to this. I'm going to go Diamondbacks in six. 
All right. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, because like the Diamondbacks don't look, you know, they look a little different, but they don't look all that different from that team, you know, two years ago that lost 100 games. Right. Uh, and then the Rangers lost, you know, 90 games last year as well. And and uh, the Diamondbacks lost 80 something. Right. So like uh, almost 90, 88. Um, but it feels like the Diamondbacks don't look as different. The 2023 Diamondbacks don't look as different from the 2021 Diamondbacks as the 2023 Rangers look from the 2021 Rangers. It, it, like, you yeah. know, they have they have Adolis Garcia, but like they don't have Joey Gallo or Isaiah Kanafalefa, Kyle Gibson. You know, they have Nate Lowe, but like they they also added like big, big pieces, right? With like Semyon and Seeger and, uh, you know, Uvalde. And like a lot of these guys were not on this roster two years ago. Whereas with the Diamondbacks, it feels like, you know, a good chunk of these guys, Kettle Marte has been with the team a long time. Merrill Kelly was there. Carson Kelly, who's on the bench now, but like was there. Um, oh, he's not on the bench. <laughs> Carson Kelly is not That's on right. the bench. He's on the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. I, forgot, I forgot he got sent, sent to oblivion. Um, <laughs> But like you know, a lot a lot of these sort of top end guys who who are on that roster were on that roster, and it's just mm-hmm. like it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting sort of comparison, and and you know the managers, right? Like Troy Lavolo has been with these Diamondbacks through a lot of thin, <laughs> and uh, yep. and you know now back into the thick. Uh, whereas um, uh. Bruce Bochy, uh, you know, came out of retirement uh, this offseason, right? It wasn't two years ago, was it? Um, yeah, it was this offseason. It was this offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, this offseason came back out of retirement to, you know, to manage this team and, and turned, you know, turned a team that last year was not very good into a team that this year is very good with pretty much the same roster. But you look back at the 2021 rosters, that 100-loss team for both of these franchises uh and and you know one seems to have connective tissue and the other has a whole lot less so it's it's just you know it's interesting yeah, and, that comparison i think yeah yeah and like kind of it i hadn't really even i guess thought about it from that perspective but like when this whole like you can almost go all the way back to the goldsmith trade and all that but it's like when that happened, everybody kind of thought the Diamondbacks had waved the white flag of, okay, we got to start this rebuild over. Um, and that's kind of looking back, not really what happened. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't think any of the players from the, from the Cardinals that came in that trade are even on the roster anymore, um, or even in like the organization anymore. Um, the Goldschmidt trade. Um and like that was almost like because that was Andy Young, Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, and yeah. two of those definitely aren't. So maybe Andy Young, um, but like everyone kind of here in Arizona took that as like if you're trading Goldie, you do not expect to be successful anytime. Andy Young, by the way, is, uh, um, was with Nats in 2022 and uh, did not pitch in 2023. I don't know if it was injury or what. So. But then, like, kind of more what it was is this vote of confidence in Christian Walker. And now he's won two gold, you know, one gold glove. And, you know, he's arguably probably going to win another one. Um, And, like, is he the same kind of presence? No, but, like, he's kind of been 
a pretty solid first baseman for a long time. And, yeah. you know, he's been here a long time. Merrill Kelly's been here a long time. You know, yeah, some, maybe not some of the other pitchers, maybe not, you know, so much Gallon, but like, but you like know, I mean, Gallon Cattell Marte signed a team-friendly deal like his rookie year and everyone kind of thought like, man, the Diamondbacks are getting off cheap with this guy because he, he kind of came up and did what Corbin Carroll's doing before Corbin Carroll was Corbin Carroll. Like, he, Cattell Marte came up and he like steadied the middle infield and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're going to extend him for, you know, however long it was, however much money it was and everyone's like, that seems early. Infield, outfield, like wherever the team put him, kind of like, you know. And, yeah, he's in the field. Gallo's been with the team since 2019. Like, he's been there. He's kind of been there a while at this point, you like know. Four years, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Cattell, like, he's kind of had almost like Nick Ahmed, like, who, you know, is not with the team anymore. Um, right. But, like, he kind of had to, like, be an anchor in whatever position they threw him in for a while. And, like, he's now getting to finally reap those benefits. And you need to do it alongside a lot of people who've been there a while and these young guys who he's kind of you know, kind of mentored a little bit and has seen grow up almost alongside him. Um, there's a lot of good stories in, in this Diamondbacks roster if, if you look hard enough. And, you know, not all of them are, you know, Corbin Carroll and, you know, all these kind of guys who, you know, are making a lot of the noise. But, like, Cattell Marte's been in the – he's been – almost the face of the organization especially since goldie left um yeah. so it's, it's great to see you know guys like that get put on this stage because uh as much as everyone would hate to admit it here in arizona it kind of sometimes feels like you're on an island uh, especially in the sports world because nobody's really paying attention to them um but like this is a good this is a good organization good team and like there's a lot of stuff that they get made fun of rightfully so sometimes but they're out there every night and you know they they got to grind just as hard as everybody else, and it's it's good to see that they're getting a lot of success. And yeah, it's just a it's been a long road for Diamondbacks fans out here. Yeah. Uh oh, and uh, for my prediction, I mean, I've doubted the Diamondbacks so many times. Keep doing uh, that. Was that? Keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I'm between either doubting them or like coming around on them, and I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to like <laughs> finally come around and, and be a believer or like continue to doubt them and and be surprised. Um, <laughs> I mean, look on paper, the Rangers are a better roster, right? Like we all, I think we all know this. We all know on paper the Rangers should win. Now, will they? Diamondbacks are seem to have that magic. They seem to be that that team of destiny this year. Um, I just, I just don't know. Um, oh, oh, it's gonna go seven games. Um, I'll say Rangers. I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, just, just so no. that, just, just to give you the opportunity to gloat when the Diamondbacks win. Now that you've said that, I want to let you in on one thing. Now, the there's been a couple things that have come out over the last couple of days one the whole gallon hitting a bird thing um i don't know if you saw that earlier this season they were in oakland um so in the in 2001 in spring training randy johnson yeah. hit a bird very famous story this year in oakland gallon earlier this season also hit a bird with the ball um the dates of the world series games are the exact same dates as the 2001 world series <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. 
But did, but did uh, Zach Gallon's bird explode? Because Johnson's bird exploded, right? Yeah, I want to say they're probably going two very different velocities because Gallon's was in like a flat ground bullpen session. Oh, sure, it did not. It it was not the same effect as Randy's for sure. Yeah, um, well, it's, you know, which, it's because because we've seen this more than well, it's not the only time this has ever happened. Like in the you know right. in the last like 10, 15 years, we've seen like a handful of times this happened. We've only seen one of them blow up, <laughs> and that was yes. Randy Johnson. Like yeah, we've, seen, that, we've seen birds get killed, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I, I wanted to let you in on the. Uh, that is now that, you that is cool. Pick. We'll see. Yeah. Hey. Uh, well, well, we will, we will have to see if, uh, if <laughs> some sort of diamondbacks bird killing bird sacrifice the magic. Uh, <laughs> that was the other thing I was going to bring up just so we can annoy everyone that is going to complain that we're both Cardinals fans doing this. Um, both pitching coaches, former, uh, former Cardinals pitching or former Cardinals coaches, um, among other multiple Cardinals connections. Yeah, Mike Maddox like for the Rangers. And who's who's the Diamondbacks? Uh, Dave McKay. Uh, Dave McKay. But not pitching coach, but two Cardinals coaches. On the, yeah, on yeah. The Dave, Dave McKay, first base coach, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, we can have a whole 20 minutes on why the Cardinals will let us um, that's that's a whole that's a whole other podcast um uh all right uh hack we we've, we've gone much longer than i think we expected to but uh thanks for joining and, and i think uh you know we talked a little bit about i hopefully we'll have you and frack on together on sunday uh after game two between between games two and three to do a sort of mid series check-in and uh and you know see how things are going Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. And now we're going to hear Frack talking with Dylan about the Rangers. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Dylan. We are here for the second half of the World Series preview between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. We are handling the American League side featuring the Strange to say, American League champion, Texas Rangers, and we have our resident Texas expert. I wouldn't call him a fan, but certainly knows the area and team well. It's Frack. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, thanks. It's uh, been a baffling and wild October, I'll say. Baffling is a good way of putting it. <laughs> I think um, if if the Rangers were to make the World Series, I think this is how we expected them to do it. I just don't think that many people really saw the specific chain of events that would have gotten them to this point, considering, you know, they, they have the star power, they have a good roster, but it took them a lot to get past the Astros, um, you know, despite yeah. their vulnerabilities. And like Like I said, the first time I was on here to talk about rangers the team in april may and parts of june was dominant but they lost that and they were just sliding into oblivion in the second half so to pick that back up in october and vanquish the astros i literally didn't see it coming yeah it it was really i I really thought it was over when altuve hit that home run you know um i i just didn't think the rangers had enough to get back into it but i mean I think the Rangers proved that 
when their lineup is clicking, they are a force to be reckoned with, right? The Astros just did not have the pitching to kind of handle all this stuff. And, you know, I think that <laughs> I think Adolis going what over four and then hitting the biggest homer of the series, arguably, and then another one to cap the game off, you know, just mm-hmm. games like that where, you know, they look unbeatable on offense, right? And then the rest, they just kind of patch together and they beat the defending World Series champion and their biggest rival. So, um, you know, we can touch on that a little bit as we talk about the team, but we're kind of just hitting the refresh button on kind of where they are right now. Because obviously, you know, I think the roster is mostly the same, right? But it's, it, I think it's important to kind of hit these checkpoints of what the team looks like this second because the way pitchers are used the way guys are either effective or ineffective, right? Like the mm-hmm. the Rangers have tinkered with the lineups a little bit. So kind of just getting kind of a state of the state of the team right now after a really huge series. Um, sure. So, I mean, I think the, you know, the lineup's an easiest place to start is because mm-hmm. I think it's, it, if they win a world championship, it's going to be because of them, right? I, I don't think there's oh, any, yeah. you know, if Sands are butts about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because at the right time, they paid exorbitant amounts of money for an infield, which at the time did not look like a savvy long-term financial decision, but that's irrelevant if the way this week goes. And the development that they got on the hitting side did click. I mean, Carter is up. He is their best hitting prospect they've had in years and so these two factors combined even the leote type guys yeah that's it's gonna be the same lineup i think young leote at the bottom carter being third unless unless they'll they'll sneak in a robbie grossman start fan favorite robbie grossman oh my goodness oh my goodness he's gonna third hitter three hitter in the world series oh my god they're gonna do it too. I know. The they Diamondbacks starting any lefties? Um, it'll be Gallon, Merrill, Merrill I don't think they do have a lefty starter, so maybe we won't see Robbie. I'm At sure least not to start a game. Well, they could do a Joe Manaply. He's a lefty, right? Yes. They could, they're gonna at the same time, a, wouldn't you just yeah. bury Robbie in the lineup at that point, and then, or just bury Evan? You know, I don't know. Yeah, but, well, we, we will figure that part of it out. But yeah, yes. I mean, I think you were mentioning, you know, uh, the Seegers of the world are obvious, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even say it's that obvious, right? Like he he came in and was good and had, you know, I think a a middling first season. This season was kind of like the upside of what was possible with him though. And this playoffs has just proved that, you know, sometimes paying these guys exorbitant amount of money, like there's a reason for it. And I don't know, you know, I have talked with you plenty about my taste in hitters. And I think my taste yes. in hitters is Corey Seager. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. he's just every time he is at the plate. It just seems like he is trying to do damage. You know, it's like he's not, you know, it's not the most disciplined approach necessarily. I think he had like one of like the highest, like 
you know, swing rates and early counts and things like that, right? Oh, like yeah. he's, he's, he's ready to punish the ball immediately mm-hmm. all the time, but like he's so good at it. And it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable to see how he functioned throughout this entire series and how dangerous oh, yeah. he was sitting in the two hole the entire time. Yeah. And he would, he will foul off pitch after pitch after pitch waiting for that one error to screw up. And I think this is the peak of his athletic prowess so it's really really fun to watch 29 year old Corey Seager do this because I think as he ages this is where we get into the is this where we start to question if he's a hall of famer or not I think if he ages even as he loses that absolute ability to punish the baseball he's still going to be able to be more of the hitter that is my type and taste which is the Ben Carter gets on base any way possible bring out walks type of yeah. person. But and I think Seeger can do that too. And that's what's so scary is he can. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had a game with five walks and he's not even a guy that like goes up and walks. You know, oh. <laughs> It's like, oh. I would, I would get him having five hit games or five walk games, but he had mm-hmm. one of those in between these, like, you know, home run double, you know, more mm-hmm. RBI type games. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned another one of these guys, and I, I know Adolis was the star of the show, but I wanted to touch on one more guy in the lineup that really impressed me was Josh Young. Um, oh, like, yeah. I don't think I don't know if Josh's numbers really represented how annoying of a batter he was, <laughs> you know, like uh, the one of the things that I always credited the Phillies for was their ability to just grind out at bats. And like you said, like Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, getting the bat on the ball when you need to frustrating the pitcher. It's really annoying when Bryson Stotts just up there fouling stuff off. And Josh Young, I I did not think of him as that type of guy. I thought of him just kind of a free swinger. He puts some power on the ball. He's just solid all around. Mm -hmm. But like even in bad situations, he would kind of just foul stuff off. And it, I've always felt like it was three, two and he was fouling stuff off. Right. And having that, like he's near the bottom of the order, you know, for the most, most of the time, I'm pretty sure. And like, it does feel like that Braves, like everything, all the credit people are giving the Braves with the one through nine. It feels like the Rangers have the closest approximation to that right now because of guys oh, like yes. young, because, mm-hmm. you know, Tavares is probably the weak spot, but like, you know, if that's your nine hitter, I think you take that, you know? Yeah, that's what I uh, that's what I always say about teams in the playoffs is, yeah, if Leody is your worst hitter, I think you're fine. Now, I guess technically their worst hitter would be Josh Smith, who has gotten, like, no time in the postseason. Oh, yeah, you don't reason. play Josh Smith in World Series time. No, unless you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but... And Duran isn't even on the roster. And these were guys who throughout the year were like, oh, like Duran had a 90th percentile season for him at this age of his career, at least. He still, he was the only thing getting the Rangers through some of those dull weeks. Young, Young is interesting because he was so hyped. He was so on the tip of everyone's tongue. And then he tore his shoulder Mm -hmm. lifting weights. And yeah, I always wondered what his. I'm trying to find his swing percentage at certain points because the swing path is good. I seem to remember it's it's a it's a good one. It's just what he's what pitches he's recognizing. I think where like 
Z, his Z swing percentage was 74%. O swing was 36. I mean, he's he's definitely, if he improves, I think he'll be more of their middle of the order guy. I could yeah. see three years from now, Carter and Young being there. But you don't have to order. count on him right now, you know, to be exactly. a middle of the order guy. You can count on him to be, hey, frustrate the other pitcher, come over the timely hit, you know, and I think he's done that. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the kind of, you know, mm-hmm. Evan Carter, like, Evan was not the hitter of this series, but like, man, that dude is really good. Like, you know, oh, like you can just, you can see it. It oozes off yeah. the screen. How yeah. talented he is, even when he, you know, swings at a, you know, bad ball every once in a while. These are the little X factors that get you game seven win rather than, mm-hmm. oh, well, we made it and we came short. Like, you know, the Evan Garters yeah. and Josh Young's of the world compared to X veteran that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a big difference. Yeah. I remember back in June or July, Carter had a, a double at a home run game. He's on fire. I think he hit the home run into the, uh, lazy river out there mm-hmm. in frisco and i later that night or something i looked up his uh his, like scouting report because he's a top prospect in with air quotes yeah. um and logan hagen on fan graphs was like oh he doesn't have the power his swing is geared to not have that type of power so maybe he won't be very good or whatever but like mm-hmm. Or, or pitches up in the zone, so then they just start throwing it down. And like Carter's going to be the guy that looks at strike three, which yeah. can piss people off. The very Quinday's way to do it is to look at strike three because you're just trying to get that extra walk. But um, I think I don't think that his power limited. I don't think his power is that limited because pitchers are yeah. going to make mistakes up in the zone. They do it all the time, so. He doesn't have to hit 30 home runs, but he's going to. It's the one part of his game that's not all star quality, and everything else is. Yeah, he reminds me of like a variant of like a Kyle Tucker, right? Like a speedier yes. version, because Kyle has mm-hmm. more of the uppercut power swing. Yeah. And, but, you know, they seem similar in nature. They got, you know, it's kind of, and, uh, you know, lefties are going to get compared to each other because they kind of, mm-hmm. they're all, like lefties are always going to look like lefties to you and righties are always going to look like righties. But like, yeah. you know, I think the swing pass and all that stuff is very similar. He's just a lankier, he's just a speedier kind of package, you know, as opposed to mm-hmm. Kyle, which is, who's maybe a little more well-rounded overall. But I mean, Evan clearly has enough power. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to go over the fence every time, but like he's hitting lasers. And <laughs> if, if that's what he's getting as a, you know, like we're saying rookie, but he's barely even been around for what, two, three months or whatever. Like, you know, that's, I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. It's it's only four months ago and he was facing double A pitching, excelling at that and obviously making everyone else on the field look different. But yeah. He was, in double A, I think the first, the second, the first game of the year, he faced off against Lawler when, when he was playing in Amarillo. And now both of these guys are the back of the benches of the World Series. And yeah, Lawler's a, a prospect. I'm a huge fan of what he's going to do. But like, he's played two games. I don't think he has an at bat this postseason. Yeah, he's basically just we- been like speed threat if they need it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Evan Carter's like, 
Well, they're gonna probably start him every day at third at three. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So it's definitely interesting how the minor leagues have progressed in that all are spent like two weeks in Reno. I think he had a three home run game, maybe a four hit game, and he immediately went up and Carter turned twenty one, spent a week in Round Rock, was up in Arlington. And it always got hurt. Yeah. So they're skipping triple um, A and it's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean it's it's impressive how ready some of these guys, you know, or how how ready some of these teams are getting these guys. You know, mm-hmm. it, you really feel like sometimes that it's really slow, and then you see guys like, I mean, it feels like Evan maybe has like Michael Harris kind of, you know, it's just instant. You know, it's it's it, mm-hmm. even yeah. if he's not succeeding every single time, these young guys, twenty one, twenty two, are able to come up and contribute way more than their peers, which is just it just doesn't mm-hmm. make mental sense but you know they just they don't seem to fear you know the situation um and evan being able to you know michael has such a good regular season you know numbers and his playoff numbers have died whereas evan has you know been just as good if not better and obviously he was really good in regular season too but it's such a small sample you wouldn't expect him to be able to maintain anything and he's maintained Mm -hmm. a really really nice uh you know just general contribution um And then there's one more part of this lineup that I wanted to chat about before we move on to the sure. pitching and the rest of the stuff. And I don't feel like Marcus Simeon had his best series. I don't, I don't, I, I maybe I was only watching, you know, I saw the bad parts and I'm ignoring the good parts, but do you think, is there any worry about what he was doing overall? You know, I, I know Seager was so good that it makes up oh, yeah. for a lot of the top of the lineup, mm-hmm. but um, did you see anything different there? Was it just, you know, is it just a normal series where someone wasn't great or, you know, what was it's, your impression of it? It's tough for me to judge about Simeon because it's like I'm too close to the situation to rationally see things. Like That's not a bad point. I was going back on box scores. I was refreshing myself of the 2016 Oakland Athletics Lots of PTSD there, by the way. Just, just <laughs> I'm sorry. That out. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But like, it wasn't that he was terrible. But like, there are guys on the A's right now where I would struggle to defend them having major league careers longer than four years and just yeah. be baffled. Like, Sidney was one of those guys. Like, yeah, he was. The, the John, he looked like Jonathan VR, but little bit more power mm-hmm. like i can't and so and now we're talking about i think if he keeps up what he's doing for three or four more seasons we're talking about robinson cano stuff yeah just a hall of famer right so, and he's like encroaching into that territory where you're like marcus yeah. simeon we're really gonna be like he's gonna be on a like realistically he's gonna be a hall of famer no he's gonna make the hall of fame ballot which like yeah. is like way beyond I think what most people have. Marcus Simeon, even yeah. at like when they had that crazy year of the A's, you know. Yeah, well, twenty nineteen. That's what I was thinking because like him and Mark Canna were hitting incredibly, and yeah, it was the rabbit baseball. So going into Marcus Simeon's free agency, I would have said I would have bet money. I don't really, but um, that Canna and Simeon's best years were twenty nineteen. That, that it was mm-hmm. behind them, and then. 
he did what he did in Toronto, and I kind of laughed that off as, well, yeah, it's the AL East, which wasn't yeah. fair either, because what this really is is he's just an absolute world-class ethic guy. Yeah. He's literally willed himself in this position. So, like, yeah, conventional logic t- says that he had a bad series, could go over the World Series, and I wouldn't be surprised, but he could come up huge in moments yeah. and look like a Robinson Cano player. And I just shrug my shoulders and say, I mean, he's just going to keep doing this forever. I thought yeah. he would age well, but I did not think he would ever have this ceiling. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the nature of the playoffs, not everyone is going to hit at the same time, right? Yes. But the fact that the Rangers' offense has looked as good as they have without really much con- contribution from Simeon outside of being on base a few times, like, if he hits, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and, you know, not to pick on the Diamondbacks too much. I think they have a really good chance here, but this is the worst pitching staff that the Rangers are going to face, you know? And I, I I mean that respectfully, like, but, you know, Zach Allen's really good. He's flawed, but he's really good. Merrill Kelly is just regular good. Brandon yeah, Fott is probably good, but is a rookie. And that's in a bullpen that, like, I'm sure, you know, they're going to talk about it in the first half, but mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks bullpen was like, <laughs> I hate to use the term lucky in baseball. I think lucky's overused, you know, yes. to like clean yeah. up some things. But like, our boy Saul Frank, <laughs> he had, I think, six walks and zero strikeouts. I think he gave what? up like one run in like, you know, three or four appearances. It's like, that's not like a real thing that can happen. And the fact that it happened is great, but like they weren't, none of the conventional numbers are on the diamondback side of this. And they're about to face a freak show lineup mm-hmm. and Simeon, you know, are prepared to handle this type of stuff. than the Astros mm-hmm. who have this spin rate Lords, you know, up and down, you know, they, yeah. Throw off film a tone in the first inning or whatever. But, you know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, the fact that he yeah. hasn't hit might be a slight red flag, but the fact that he, mm-hmm. we know that he can hit just makes this lineup feel even more deadly, you know? Yeah. And I will say this to the whole Diamondbacks concept of their, the whole, the whole concept of their bullpen is that if I looked at the roster of the Reno Aces bullpen, and then you looked at the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, there are only two or three guys where I'd be able to say, where I'd be able to distinguish them. I think that the Astros pitching was exposed by the Rangers. And I think that there's, I don't know how much coaches impact the game. I don't think as a layman we can really get a full grasp on that, which is why whenever one of the silliest things that I can think of is when someone says, fire the hitting coach, because we're not hitting. Like, oh, really? Those guys suck. Maybe you should fire the hitters. Consider. Yeah. And it's same with the pitching coach, where it's like, we need a new pitching coach. Like, uh, have you seen your roster? Like, these guys are bad. But <laughs> Brett Strom is, if there is a Hall of Fame for coaches, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that that change for them feels significant. And hopping from Houston to Arizona, here we are. Arizona totally getting by on what you call luck. Yeah. You do kind of have to wonder, well, hey, 
if he was still on the Astros, what would they be doing? Because I swear every time an Astros pitcher was in a dangerous situation in the last couple of years with him there, he'd call he would call a mound meeting, him and Maldonado, and the pitcher got out of it every single time. So that there may be something to his game plan and being able to wiggle pitchers out of situations. I always felt like he was getting Framber out of problems, and Framber just, I, I don't think he looks very good anymore. Like, I don't At see least him this having... playoff run was kind of goofy for him. I mean, like, I really <laughs> trust the, the pitcher, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't, it didn't look as sharp. He got shelled by the A's in a start in June and then mm-hmm. for July, and then the, his next start in Houston was the uh, first benches clearing Adolis incident. Adolis yeah. hit a home run, he took too long. First one. Which is, again, it's all Maldonado. He should have been, <laughs> Maldonado should have been suspended for that. The game. Like, it's all him. Yeah. He's just talking trash. Yeah. Oh. So, that was, so maybe Brent Strom really is impacting this series, but yeah, the, the Diamondbacks open is the Reno Aces. All I know. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be a challenge hanging with this Rangers lineup. But I mean, I think we need to talk about the pitching, and yes. you know, Eovaldi has been great, and he has proved that that's another free agent win for the Rangers, mm-hmm. even if the next few years don't look as great. But like he has ruled this entire mm-hmm. postseason, and he is their ace, cool. and it will be really fun versus him and Gallon. Everything after that is kind of in question. Right, like I, I don't know. I guess you could give some confidence to Jordan Montgomery, right? But he did just yeah. pitch in Game Seven. Did you then, uh, hear? I want to cut you off here for a second. Did you hear what Bochi Bochi said? He's not. This is being recorded Thursday night. Bochi said he's not willing to announce the Game Two starter until tomorrow. And then, um, uh, the Diamondbacks manager Lavello said it's no secret we're doing the same thing we always have. One, two, three. Gallon, Ke- Kelly, and uh, Fott. I-, I think that was they a little bit They don't really have much of a choice, do they? They yeah. don't, but I think that was a little bit of a dig at, like, it's no secret. And she's over here trying yeah. to use subterfuge. So I don't know what. I don't think... I don't I don't know if there is an answer for the Rangers, because Montgomery pitching game two, and then you immediately yank him for Heaney in the third? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. I mean, obviously the game dictated it that, right? Like you have to oh, win yeah. games seven and worry about the rest later, right? But like, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan Montgomery was clearly their best guy outside of Avaldi, and you know now it's like, well, you we might wait another game, or maybe he goes two and he goes shorter, and then Zayden's out up for game five or game four. You know, it's like who knows what's going on here, and, and you know, the Max Scherzer of it all. Like, <laughs> I like what are we? What what is your opinion of what Max Scherzer looked like this past week? Because I just I don't know what we can expect from him. Obviously, he's going to be another week out from being hurt, right? So that's good. But is he actually looking any good? And will he improve? I think that's a different question. I have just no idea. I wish I could figure out 
the Max Scherzer conundrum because being there in person in Game 5, he didn't look like Max Scherzer. It looked like a middling, not very good Rangers starter that got off the scrap heap. That's obviously not what it is. They gave up Acuna for him. And for a year and a half of him, basically, just at some point, these guys age and you never know when it's going to happen. And I do think it's fair to ask, is, are we watching that happen with Max Scherzer? Because, yeah, he's hurt, but also he wouldn't be pitching unless he and the Rangers agreed. He'd be fine, and so how desperate are they? But yeah, he can go one time through the lineup, but at what point does this become the Cody Bradford, Chris Stratton game? That's not, that's not good. I mean, God, Bradford's God. good. I know. It's just like, oh, we're in the World Series. We're talking about Bradford and Stratton, you know? And Martin Perez. Martin Perez. What? Is John Gray on the roster? Is he hurt? I think he's I think he's on the roster, but he's hurt. So it's like a bubble wrap situation. More okay, so, so than like Scherzer. Break glass in case of emergency, yeah. I think so. I think he'll come in as a reliever in high leverage situations, which is good. Okay. Yeah. Again, you've got a lot of relievers I kind of trust and 1.5 starters, not yeah. counting Scherzer. Yeah, and think- with Scherzer specifically, it's just like it doesn't look that different, you know what I mean? And it's tough because it, the, mm-hmm. the, the difference between an ace and a mediocre starter is really fine details. You know what I mean? It's really small things, but you know, it's that lack of command that he is just him and Verlander are just elite. You know, they always Mm -hmm. have been in command, you know, at least for a really Mm -hmm. long time, they pound the zone. Their stuff is good enough. You know, they'll get hit every once in a while, but it's fine because they're not letting anyone on base. Max is walking guys. He's not hitting his spots. The pitches look good. You know, but it's just not, it's just not Mm -hmm. smooth, you know? So I just wonder, you know, he'll have a few more days, you know, and he Mm -hmm. didn't, it's not like he got taxed this last time, you know, they only used him what one or one time to the order, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he got three innings in game five and then one time to the order in game seven. Sounds right. Yeah. And then, but like, what is, I mean, you mentioned, you know, they have guys but like Martin Perez, you know, is going to be around or Bradford or whoever, you know, these kind of, if Haney is just mm-hmm. kind of the de facto long relief guy, the first time someone blows up, you know, whoever mm-hmm. that might be. But like, I mean, is there a confidence level that they can maintain enough? I mean, I know the Diamondbacks lineup probably doesn't have as much juice on a star mm-hmm. power level as the um, Astros, you know, but they're so dynamic and they can beat you in a few different ways. I feel like, you know, the Rangers still have to like kind of, they still got to find which guys they trust, which is a weird thing for a team that is in the world series. Oh yeah. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. And sports is kind of in there. We kind of forgot to yeah, mention Spores has been good. Yeah. Which is funny. He was a rule five guy from LA and he looked bad yeah. that rule five year. Um, I think that was 2020, maybe 21, but it, no, it wasn't even 21. It, it must have been 20 because they could hide him on the roster um, a shorter year, I mean. But Bill Smith 
We might get into more Will Smith oh my God. Series. Please. Sorry. In high leverage situations, he was their closer for months. Like, that's kind of why for half this year I was scoffing at the idea of a Rangers World Series because, like, who and what army? Um, I think if they do lose, it won't be because of this, but I will look back on this and think, hmm. Of course, in way before the trade deadline, they traded for a role this we all know and love. Just love him. They traded Cole Reagans. And for those of you who may not know, Cole Reagans was like the best pitcher in the second half. He was crazy. It was the Royals. <laughs> it was a throwing 98 from the left side starting. And the Royals legally aren't allowed to have good pitchers except impossible yeah it's it's in the it's in the constitution sorry but i can't can you imagine if rangers had Cole reagan's the starter and their bullpen was a little bit worse like yeah chapman won them games i'm sure i'd have to look at his leverage stats whatever that old thing is for relievers but Cole Reagan's in this World Series, it's a totally different one. A totally different one with the Rangers. Yeah, or even if you just I, throw him in instead of <laughs> Rodas Chapman, you know, it's like yeah. Chapman has not been necessarily the problem, right? We're picking no. on certain guys, you know, but it's just like we know what a, a Rodas Chapman blow up looks like. We've seen it so many times. Yeah. Despite the fact how great he is, you know, he has his moments where he just doesn't have it or someone gets hit or whatever, right? And <laughs> But he's, he's like yeah. firmly like their one best two guys and that is just like a uncomfortable position to be in when you got max scherzer almost 40 years old we're not sure if we can get through the order then you got your best bullpen guys are like josh Spores, or oldest chapman or oldest chapman's what 35 now whatever he is he's old he's old yeah. yeah and he's he's throwing great but it's just like we just we know what it looks like you know and we just i just don't know where the rangers turn if they're not scoring eight runs, which maybe they just score eight runs every game. Like that's totally viable. That will, mm-hmm. that can happen. It's basically how they beat the Astros. Every game they won, but like their offense just exploded at some point, yeah. but it just makes me nervous. I mean, that's what makes for an interesting world series, right? But these teams are very flawed, <laughs> you know, like let's yes. be real, but yeah. it's, it's they're fun teams because mm-hmm. of that too. Right. Yes. Um, I can expect some kind of crazy stuff going on because of those flaws existing, but it's just tough thinking of the Texas Rangers. You know, they are the favorite. I think firmly they are the oh, favorite yeah. to win the World Series. But, you know, we're talking like how many pitchers on the entire roster would you say are World Series guys? And it's on one hand, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah, Aroldis Chapman is a World Series guy like four years ago. Yeah. This time last year, he was getting booted off the Yankees for not showing up. <laughs> I like thought Brandon, that might have been the end. Yeah. And the Royals the figured end. it out, I guess, but, well, you know. I, I remember that one of the, I think it was the last regular season game, he came in to pitch, and I was like, all right, this is it. I'm watching Aroldis Chapman's last appearance. This he's He's gone. And I can't give the Royals any credit pitching-wise. It just doesn't feel right. So maybe <laughs> it was always there and it was a behavioral thing. Mm-hmm. It is the Yankees. God knows what's going on in that clubhouse. <laughs> That's a good point. So, um, I wanted to ask you about two more things where we wrap yeah. up here. 
Um, one you mentioned before, Bochi is, you know, you can't help but think about him when you're thinking about surprise World Series team go, emerging mm-hmm. from the wild card, you know, pushing every button that needs to be pushed. And of course, it's Bochi pushing those buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what do you think his impact on this situation is just as a third party observer, right? You're not necessarily <laughs> yeah. invested in the Rangers as a fan, but you've gotten to see the difference between them in their last few years versus the Bochi <laughs> era. Yeah. And it's just, it, yeah. it, it feels, you can't deny that it's something, right? I don't know mm-hmm. how it works, but there, there's some juice there that he brings or some ability to bring this together that has to be visible. I feel like when you're watching this team a lot. Yeah. I, I'll preface this by saying I'm not someone who thinks a manager matters. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, whole. But it only can matter so much, right? You're right. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, again, and this is more of a complaint about the modern state of baseball fans thinking, oh, the manager had done this, but like very few things a manager can do to really impact a game. Yeah, it's heightened in October because there are less games, but like over the course of a season, are the white players and the Dominican players friendly and amicable, or are they in clicks? I think that's the biggest thing a manager can do, is if everyone respects the manager and they're all agreeable, you that's most of your battle. If they're yeah. off in clicks, if they're gossiping, it's like more psychology than it is yeah. baseball. I am sure Bochy's masterclass at that, even if to say, look at me, I won a bunch of World Series when most of you were teenagers. Yeah. There's going to be some level of respect there where it's like, yeah, whatever he says. And that buy-in is very important. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame manager. But else matters, I guess. But um, yeah. to compare him to the last guy, Woodward, that guy's one of the dumbest managers I've ever seen. Like, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to damage his character or anything because I don't know him, but he just seemed like an absolute prick with the whole uh, was that thing a couple years ago where um, this pitcher and he went to Korea and then he came back to pitch for the Cubs, Samson. Mm-hmm. It was either, I think it was Simeon or Canna took too long watching a home run and this Samson, Adrian Samson guy came and stepped on his bat he's a six-year-old like I, I think it was canna because canna was like ah, what the hell and canna mark canna is this is going to sound bad if mark canna wasn't white he would be hit three times as much because of how he plays the game it's fun to watch but he gets by sometimes and yeah he got hit something and woodward ejected because he obviously Samson obviously threw at him and then the next guy threw at him too and it was this whole thing and just the way Woodward handled it was like you're not even good pretending you're a jerk like (laughs) he's a little polite he's just being smarmy and that's when I was like yeah "Yeah, this Rangers team is going nowhere fast with this moron in charge (laughs) I don't have as many mean things to say about many other managers, but I can definitely yeah. see the dull what's going on up in your head vibes with yeah. current. Sometimes it's easier to see the negative 
in managers yeah. than the positives. Yeah, because we aren't seeing them on a day-to-day basis. But yeah. from what I've heard of the A's current manager, Mark Kotze, it doesn't sound like there's much going on in that head. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, interviewing people in the sports industry, athletes specifically, can sometimes be like beating your head up against a wall. Mm-hmm. They aren't very eloquent or concise. I, but I do feel like you can clean a lot from what they say to reporters and how they ramble. They ramble. Yeah. And Bochi doesn't do that. So I do think it matters more than I'm used to admitting. Yeah. You know, he is he has been around not only been around a while, but he's just been around in these situations. And, you know, as as scared as we are of these bullpen pieces and stuff. It seemed like every move he was making had like, you know, at least good mm-hmm. to decent to good results, yeah. you know, even when yeah. it got kind of tight every once in a while. Right. Like, you know, you don't always have the secret weapon. You don't always have the best mm-hmm. option, but if you can get enough correct guesses, <laughs> you know, right. Mm-hmm. You're going to look really good. And I think that's where Bochy is. But like mm-hmm. you said, I think there's a, there's a respect you gain from, not only be doing this for as long as he has, but having the success he has where it's just like, he's been there, done that. And he brought something from that. The Rangers have not experienced, you know, oh, no, in God knows when the Rangers will all, will be quick to point out that their first manager was Ted Williams. A, uh, absolutely tortured, tormented old man. Ted Williams was the Texas Rangers <laughs> first manager. Uh, You've seen the iconic picture of him in a cowboy hat looking like he just smelled a fart in the original Rangers stadium, which was had absolutely no shade in a parking lot in a town that barely even existed. It only existed because Dallas and Fort Worth hated each other so damn much. They're like, we're going to meet in the middle and put the team here. Like, I mean, this franchise was not born in glory. They almost tore down RFK leaving. So... They haven't, I mean, they've had Hall of Fame managers since then, uh, but they were Hall of Fame managers for bad teams. I want to call, uh, who's the Cardinals guy? I can't think of the name. Cardinals guy. What, like, current one? Manager from the 80s. Larusa? Oh. I don't know what, to, uh, what how long we're thinking. So... The, the Rangers managers who were big, there was Oates back in the 70s, Whitey Herzog. Mm-hmm. Whitey Herzog was a Rangers manager back when they had never been to the playoffs. Right. Um, like, there's just not been that much leadership. Bobby Valentine was a manager. Mm-hmm. Oates, Oates went to the playoffs for the first time. Like, oh my goodness, I forgot. Tony Beasley was their manager. After they fired Woodward, <laughs> I had to, I totally blocked that out. Yeah, um, I was looking at the list. I'm like, I do not remember Tony Beasley era. I mean, I know he's interim, but still. I remember the Don Wakamatsu era. Very brief. Ten games. The handwriting era. <laughs> the, but yeah, Showalter, Oates. These are, these are big names, but they've never had. It's like they've never had homegrown pitching. Yeah, really had a manager at the right time. So I don't know what Ron Washington means to your club, yeah. um, but I don't know if it's leadership. 
I mean, he's probably the last guy that you said had could probably do this, but this, you know, Ron Washington still a while ago at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Like they've they've been through a lot of guys. I think Brian Bannister is well respected for as a pitching coach, you know, but Mm -hmm. as a manager, maybe less so, but yeah, you know, I think I think Bochi has clearly brought something. Whether it's enough to get him to the end, we'll have to see. But I think yes. he's a reason. At least you can give him partial yeah. credit for getting to this point. This is a, um, this will be a fun part of his Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. Um, and the last question I had here is just you know, <laughs> understanding physically where you are. You know, do you have you know a finger on the pulse of what the vibes are in that area? Because I'm very curious of. Is there apprehension? Is that is it full on cockiness, confidence at this point, knowing who the yeah, opponent is? So, and I mean, what's the what's the idea going on there? So, of course, I can't get a full view of everything because those who ha- do not are familiar with the Metroplex, it's a series of bubbles. Yeah, it's, it's just bubbles everywhere, and, and no one really strays from their bubble unless they're going to an entertainment option if they can't find in their bubble because you're damn sure you can find 10 grocery stores in your bubble their their bubbles in dallas and outside of dallas and fort worth as well it's like separate worlds almost but i would say cowboys are everywhere here everywhere people talk about them every single sunday you can't or sunday excuse me Mm -hmm. you can't escape them like you you will have to know when the cowboys are playing because it will impact you even if you don't watch football the rangers have never been like that they were in 20 10 11 12 yeah we're starting to see things like that and those were the most dangerous environments i've been to as a fan it was not good a bunch of Cowboys fans on their days off, as it were. <laughs> I would say, I would say, it's more playing with house money because they were so bad for so long. They were they weren't in the playoffs for so long. I think people forgot they existed in a way. They didn't, but like, there's still this. The Mavs and the Stars play in Dallas, and they will. The Mavs will get attention because they won that championship about a decade ago so they'll always dominate the narrative more than the rangers will yeah i don't know if playing in arlington plays a factor i think it's people are jumping on now as everyone does i don't think there's any i think there's less apprehension people who are just jumping in which is of course that's how sports stays alive a bandwagon fans but rangers fans and my family, who are passionate and been following this team for years, they know all of the things and more that I've been talking about. They know how Chapman can walk the bases loaded in the blink of an eye. And they know that year after year, the Rangers get pummeled. So they're on edge. But as far as the general fan, I'm sure they're just thinking, wow, this is cool. Oh, yeah. For diehard Rangers fans, there is this seeping back anxiety that series could go sideways and they won't be surprised yeah yeah it's a really i think both these franchises very you know it's a really weird world series you know and i i'm very curious to hear the stories and the apprehension and whatever Mm -hmm. else all the emotions coming out of these places because they're not teams that have been there very often 
you know, the Rangers being there for a long time and just not having success and the Diamondbacks still being one of the newest teams in baseball, having their immediate success and then haven't heard from them in a long time, you know? So very interesting on both sides um, in that respect. Um, if you had to make a projection, you know, prediction for the series, what would it be? I don't know. Cause like the first time I came here to talk about the Rangers, I got it right. And then the second time <laughs> I couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I just heard you talking about like, oh yeah, the Astros are going to clean up and then they yep. just could not finish it. But at the same time, I was convinced they were going to sweep the Orioles. That seemed obvious. So in this situation, I I think back to March, wandering around the Chase Field uh, concourse, bored out of my mind. And seeing a uh, seeing like their stars, you know, they they uh, advertise on the team, and um, it's like Carson Kelly, he's their catcher, right? <laughs> I was like, he, he was, he was. It's like, <laughs> what is this team? What is this team? Carson Kelly, like all the for the guys. Gabby Moreno era, exactly. Um, so I was, I mean, there's absolutely no conceivable notion that. Chase Field would host another important game like USA Mexico was, and that it would be a World Series. So, yeah, I gun to my head. I hate to say it. I think Rangers in six. Yeah, I, I was going to say, say the same thing. <laughs> and I, I think I'm silently rooting for the Diamondbacks. I don't really have a strong preference here. I'm just going to. I think naturally refer to the national league team and I'm, you're not going to find me rooting for many Texas teams <laughs> just oh, transparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, for the same reasons, like, you know, you mentioned Cowboys fan, you know, I just, I'm not trying to, you know, <sighs> I'm not going to root for many Philly teams for the same reason. Right. You got to remember these people are the same people. <laughs> if they hey, annoy me I, in one sport, they'll probably annoy me in the other sport. The other sport um, hey, I've been to, 18 major league ballparks, but I've only been called a slur at one of them. <laughs> Don't say what it was, but nope, that was the that was the old Ranger Stadium. So, uh huh. I'm not did a little bit different back then, huh? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not. I am rooting for this team to fail. <laughs> I'm glad that's the way we're gonna yeah. end this. Yep. We're we're you're reluctantly rooting for them to fail. We mm-hmm. think they're going to be the World Series champions. Um, Love it. What a what a way for this season to go, really. Um, yep. What else could you ask for? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think this will be really fun. Um, I'm yes. hoping it's fun. There's obviously the chance that it kind of goes off the rails. Hopefully, it goes off the rails in a fun way and not just like yeah. a oh man, we got screwed. But um, I think it's a it's a wide range of options, I you know, which makes it enticing, yeah. but also. I'm just unsure of how to think about it. I think I think when these less than big teams get in the World Series, it's important that the series itself is wacky and fun. Yeah. And that it draws people in. Yeah. Because this is, and again, I wish the World Series was three weeks earlier, but you can really steal some thunder from football if you have two yeah. teams that people are like, what the, who are they? Like, and have some fun with it instead yeah. of it being a stuffy, Yankees versus Dodgers series. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully Adolis can hit some bombs for us. Corey Seager can do what he does. And I think we got a fun series um, mm-hmm. 
on the way. So thank you for joining, sharing your expertise, yeah. your reluctant expertise of this team. Yes. And, uh, yep. you know, I'm sure we will be talking in a couple of weeks once this thing's all wrapped up. Yes, it will be interesting to see how it goes. All right. And we will throw it to the end here. That's going to do it for our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Rain Delayed Radio is executive produced by Lewis. My name is Naim. I edited this episode. I also hosted our first interview. Dylan hosted our second interview. Thanks so much to Hack and Frack for joining us for those interviews. Uh, it, it is just a, just a shame of, of scheduling and, and difficulty that we couldn't get them together. And also that neither is a primary fan of their teams, but they're secondary fan of their teams and they know they know what they're talking about. So I uh, appreciate them for joining us. Uh, our theme music was composed by Chuck Leese. Rain Delay Radio usually releases every Monday morning at 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, but obviously with the playoffs, we're, we're going a little different here. But we will have theoretically a regular episode for you this Monday morning at 1am. So talk to you then. Bye.